You're listening to 101.9 FM, KPCRLP, Santa Cruz. Tony Duchesne here, and welcome to Drinks with Tony. My guest this week is Jordan Castro. He's the author of The Novelist, a novel. The creative writing classes that I teach at the Los Feliz Public Library are going to be back in person in September. So you have two final online Zoom meetings chances to join us from anywhere in the United States or the world. I'm talking to you, Australia. Join us July 13th at 6 p.m. Pacific time for the 90-minute creative writing workshop through the Los Angeles Public Library. Go to lapl.org to register. And you don't have to have a library card. You just register at lapl.org for the July 13th creative writing class. And now, Jordan and I chat the Cleveland Indians, UFC fights. I try to say uh, ethereal, but it comes out you free throw. <laughs> uh, the joy of driving in Manhattan, the intimacy of pizza delivery before there were apps, and smoking cigars in your car in the woods while riding. All of this and more right in your ear hole. Hi, I'm Jordan Castro, and you're listening to Drinks with Tony. Get on the Drinks with Tony show! You're listening to Drinks with Tony. I'm your host, Tony Duchesne. Today on the show, we have Jordan Castro. He's the author of The Novelist, a novel. Jordan, how are you? Good. Thanks for having me. How are you? Well, uh, thanks thanks for being on. I'm kind of irritable today. I was, and thanks for asking. I was, and I was writing at Starbucks and I hate to, I hate to confess that, that I write at Starbucks, but I do because I need kind of to be irritable, but there's like one crazy dude. And I hate to call him homeless dude because there's so many like levels of homeless dudes, but like this guy was like, actually like, it's obvious he hasn't worn pants and like, and he, and shoes in like years and just screaming mm. at the sky and no one knew what to do with them. And it, and what, and the most important part of this is I lost my thought in the middle of a scene I was writing. Mm. Mm. <laughs> Damn. Well, so Damn. Why do you, how's, well, your, how's your day been? <laughs> <laughs> my day's been fine. I, uh, I'm trying to think of what I did today. I went to the gym with my friends. Uh, I did some other, finally turned in some other interview stuff I've been procrastinating on and just kind of. I'm on my porch now, just hanging out. You procrastinate on interviews? Are you talking about interviews for your book? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. What I mean, sometimes when I have, so, yeah. I, so, sometimes when I, you know, uh, have like uh, an unlimited amount of time and it's like a text based interview, I can just sort of like look at it forever, you know? Oh, that, that's the same with me. It's like, if you don't give me a deadline, then you're on my list over here that when I get to it and I tell everyone, I'm like, you better give me a deadline or you're not seeing it. So it's just mm, like, mm. and then, you know, they'll say three Fridays from now at midnight and they get it at 1159 and 30 seconds. <laughs> so, mm. Nice. Yeah. Um, but just what a kick to, I, 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 I got a kick out of your novel and, and even you as a character in the novel. Yeah, yeah. Or uh, an ambiguously, perhaps not me, Jordan Castro. That, you know, that's, I, I shouldn't have interpreted it like that. <laughs> You're right. It, it's, it's, there's, what it, it, it does take 
even though if we, cause I'm doing the same, I'm doing the same thing right now and I'm trying not to, and I can't not, my character's name is Tony in this book. And I've been trying to change mm. the name. Cause I, I just, I'm like, this is just, <laughs> this is stupid, but it's leading to so many silly jokes that are kind of have like three dimensions to it that I can't pull it anymore. And Tony is his own character. It's not me anymore. So I, Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know if you do the same thing where it's just like, it's not even you. Yeah, I would say it's definitely not me. Um, in part because the character, the same Jordan Castro in the book, um, uh, didn't start named named with my name. Like it was sort of just this kind of uh, problematic public intellectual type figure, you know, or slash novelist or whatever. And uh, And I was kind of struggling to develop him a little and my wife actually suggested like that I should just name Jordan Castro and it would like complicate the kind of like auto fiction parts of the book and it would make it potentially more interesting and, and stuff like that and so uh yeah yeah I thought it was a a clever and then but then once I changed the name it was like way more fun to play around with it um yeah you know yeah so so you have so you have so you're married to someone who gives you great editorial advice Definitely. Shouts out Nicolette Popola, <laughs> my uh, beautiful, talented wife. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, when um, at what point do you show her your work? Like how? Like does she see first drafts? Uh, do do you do you kind of kick ideas off of her? Do you or do you go wait a second? You're not seeing this until I got it right. That's sort of it. I sort of am like. I mean, it's still first drafts, but it's like I feel like I have to get stuff. I'm so sensitive, you know, when it comes to like uh first drafts and showing people stuff and I really don't like to um get other people's voices in my head at all when I'm trying to like work it out you know because I always sort of I've never taken like a a writing class or anything like that and I've always just sort of felt like if I know that it's not you know that it could be better or like when I if if when I read it I feel like um oh this part sucks and needs to be worked on um then I should just kind of put my head down and work on it you know And, and until I sort of like feel like I've done my absolute best with a with a thing and then I'll show it to people and uh yeah at that point but and even then I'm kind of bracing myself and uh whatever. yeah because well that it's the that's yeah. the vulnerable time especially yeah, when you show yeah. the first couple of people because I mean if after I don't know how long it uh, takes I, I it takes me forever to work on stuff because I do it wrong I have my my <laughs> process is like I handwrite first then I type it in and it's just like I have all these things to go through where most people just like type it right into Scrivener and there you go. And I'm like, I don't even use that. Cause I, it, it can't, I can't do it. I don't know why I've tried, but, um, but then it gets mm. into the first person's hands and I've been working on it for months and months and months. And they could, sh- they, they, there's a, there's a point where they could shatter me instantly with one word. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, the, on the other hand though, I do appreciate like, um, like real, uh, severe feedback or at least productive you know like i i i uh yeah yeah yeah. i recognize that sometimes that's what's needed you know yeah um it it is needed because we got to put the best story out there possible but it's but it's also just mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. it's like it's like bracing for the punch Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and uh my dad my uncle used to be like uh boxers and uh and I think my uncle taught judo, but I remember overhearing a, a conversation, uh, or maybe they told me this directly, I can't remember, but um, 
where they said that like half of fighting is learning how to get punched. And so maybe it's uh, something similar with, with writing. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It, 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 yeah, it's, it blows my mind. Where did you grow up? Uh, Cleveland, Ohio, or a suburb just outside of Cleveland, Ohio. Oh, that's, and, and did, did you follow, um, what were they, were the Indians at the time? Was it the Cleveland Indians? Yeah. They're now well, the Guardians. Yeah, a bit. I, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, when I was a kid, no, I was definitely an Indians fan for sure. I actually wanted to, um, be Robert, uh, uh, Omar Vasquez. Uh-huh. Is that his name? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and like, I think Robbie Alomar was his like uh, second baseman or whatever. And me and my uh, my brother would pretend to be Omar and 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 uh, right. Wasn't that what was his name? Robbie Al or no no no. Robbie Alomar was. No, I'm, I'm, it's been too long. But I, I wanted to yeah. be. And I had like a full poster of him on my door and stuff. Uh-huh. And I like look at it before I fell asleep. And so, um, yeah, I was definitely a, a fan when I was a kid. It's it's funny how it's because they get you when you're a kid. Cause I grew up in a sad suburb of San Francisco. So I was a giants fan and, and the stadium was in a sad suburb of San Francisco. It wasn't even in San Francisco. So that's back when I used to go, but it was, there was just something about it that it was just like, it's your team for life. Like if you went, if you went to, if you went to, a, um, if you went, I don't know if you went to a Mets game and the, and Cleveland's playing, who do you root for? Definitely Cleveland. Yeah. exactly you can't not yeah, yeah. <laughs> right right it's just yeah it is interesting i feel that way about the Cavs. i feel that way about not so much the browns i didn't really follow football when i was a kid but like um yeah it is interesting that uh it just doesn't change yeah it tries and i li- and so i live in los angeles now which is enemy territory for uh giants mm. fans and, I, and i'm careful like i have giant hoodies and stuff i won't wear them out at night because there's, there's going to be some drunk that, you know, there's going to be some drunk dudes who are going to, we got to kick someone's ass tonight. Whose ass do we got to kick? And they'll see 400 people and they'll see a dude with a giant uh, gear on and they'll be like that guy. <laughs> it's, like, it's asking for it's it. Really, it's really like that over there. It's that, it's that. It's it that depends. Serious. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, it is. It's um, I, I think people and the people, it really is that serious. Like people have been like killed and beaten down for it in uh, both cities, San Francisco and Los Angeles. And in certain areas of Los Angeles, you do not wear your Giants gear um, at certain times of the day. <laughs> yeah, you can wear it to the game. Yeah, You can wear it to the game, yeah. it, but just bopping around town, people kind of go, ooh, brave. And what's up, dude? <laughs> so, Yeah, I guess it's sort of a fine line between like the kind of like uh... – kind of like uh whatever like sublimated tribal uh like war game of sports or something like that and then when it like bleeds into uh you know you're drunk maybe you forget that it's like uh, a constructed tribal thing or right. whatever and you just go and kill some kill some guy because he's on the other you know on the other team or whatever and, um, and it, it's it's um yeah it is it's uh it is tribal and it, it kind of just it blows my mind because that's the beauty of it too like the the giants dodgers are, are a rivalry and um, and it's, it's kind of like the Red Sox and Yankees and you're in Connecticut. So do you know what side of that divide you're on? Because I know it splits in Connecticut somewhere. No do, like when you walk around town, okay. do you see more Yankees gear? Or do you see more Red Sox gear? I can't remember having seen much of either, but I also don't really, I wouldn't, I wouldn't pay attention. You know, I wouldn't strike me if I saw someone wearing like Red Sox or Yankee stuff. So. 
Well, I, I know um, there's a divide in Connecticut and you and you have to be on the right side of it. <laughs> I don't I'll, know where I'll, the line is. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. is it geographical, you think? I mean, yeah, obviously it is, right? It's geographical. So there's somewhere and I don't know where because a friend of mine, Joe Clifford, who's uh, he's a writer. He's from Connecticut. And he's written about being when he was a junkie in Connecticut and in Boston and he's got memoirs out. But but he's Yankees. And it's because of where he was, where he lived. It's just like Yankees and the Red Sox got to die as a scum they are. But that's just inbred in him from where he just yeah. from where he was placed and where he grew up. Mm-hmm. They should put that in astrology yeah. charts. Sports teams. Yeah, yeah. Like what's your what's your what's your sun sign? What's your moon sign? What's your rising? And are you for uh, the Cleveland Guardians or the uh, Cincinnati Reds? <laughs> could be. It could be. I don't know much about uh, uh, astrology at all, but you could at least uh, you know predict behavior or whatever if you added the added the the sports stuff in. Maybe even more accurately. I don't know. <laughs> true true and, the, and I, as a, as a san francisco giants fan i don't like san francisco giants fans for the most part because most most of mm-hmm. them are um hangers on because when we got to the world series and it's just like oh you guys just came around we used to be there when it was sad and hard we were in the freezing mm-hmm. cold when no one was in the stands that was us that was us you you didn't care then you're the true you're you're a part of the true the true fan fandom. <laughs> oh gee <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah you're just like you're like dude i thought this is a this is a book show why are we talking why are we talking sports <laughs> this is fun i like sports i i uh basketball in particular basketball and ufc i feel like are the two uh the two sports that i that i that i follow and like the most i you know um, i have ufc yeah. blows i watch ufc religiously oh really i, I never nice. thought i would be that guy but i wa- i watch it me neither. Yeah, I didn't. Um, I actually got into it from like watching like uh, uh, and same with my my friend, the, the writer Talon. We both started watching like um, interviews with the fighters on YouTube. And that was sort of like my way in because some of the I mean, some of the personalities are so great, but then also just the kind of like built in narratives of the rivalries and the, and the so and so, you know, and their interest in like health and physical fitness and so on. And then I started watching the fights and I was just like hooked. You know, because at first I was like, this is just brutality. This is just, uh, you know, ugliness or whatever. And uh, I really developed, yeah, an appreciation for it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because it's because I thought that, too. And it used to freak me out years ago. And then it, but then you start to listen to the announcers and you get the narrative and then you find out mm. it's like a chess game. What they're doing in right, that octagon right. is they're playing chess, but they're playing chess with it's their bodies. And their, yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. It, no, it's so it's so profound. It's so good. And uh, yeah, you can see the emotion too, like on each fighter, you know, and it's kind of like it's like super dramatic. And I just yeah, I love it. Uh, yeah. The, but actually, um, when I was editing the novel, when I was doing the final edits for the novel, I was like stressed out. I was like finishing my undergrad degree. My friend had just died and I was like um, had to like turn in these these edits and like I would like stress watch UFC fights like uh throughout the day like i would just probably watch six fights a day just kind of like you know i'd be like trying to trying to trying to work on this this part and be like oh my god this sucks or whatever and i would just like watch a fight or whatever i was kind of in like a very i was living alone at the time and i think uh i imagine myself as, as being like probably the most unchill i've ever been but uh but the fights were were a nice uh 
whatever pressure valve, I guess. I don't know. Well, I, I think what we, what I gain out of it is I get, I see these men and women putting so much stress on their bodies for that, for that 15 minutes or that 25 minutes. And it's actually inspiring. Mm-hmm. And, okay. and, it, and it's, and it's just kind of like, and it reminds me, Oh, right. We have to struggle. Like struggles. Great. Mm. You know, it's, it just, just pick your struggle. And, and then one of the other things I love about USC is like, no matter what, for the most part, almost all the time, unless, um, Oh my God, who's the, who's the guy from Kazakhstan that played, uh, that, that played that fought uh, McGregor that kept fighting McGregor. Oh, Khabib. Khabib. Except, except like yeah, those guys, yeah. those, he's like, he's, he's like throwing, <laughs> they're ready to, they're ready to fight like yeah. each other's teams out of these their, their coaches. Yeah. Out yeah. Yeah. But for the yeah, most part, yeah, it's a hug out. It's like, it's like, even if, even if they're insulting each other, even if during, it's just right. like afterwards there, there's almost an intimacy in it. And it's almost like totally. post coital. They have to just be like, Oh, it's almost like they want to cuddle but they can't because there's a huge crowd. It's just, they would cuddle if they could. No, it's incredibly intimate. And then um, <laughs> I was just thinking of the post-coital thing. And then Joe Rogan runs up and he's just like, hey, whatever. Like, um, but no, it is totally intimate. Like I, it, um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff about it that I think is, uh, yeah, is, is, is actually great. I think the thing you said about struggle is, is true. And I think like, there's something about, I don't know. I, I think, I think, um, you know, writers or like people who are like more intellectually minded or whatever, sort of a lot of the time there aren't really stakes involved in like their philosophizing or their kind of like whatever petty intellectual ambitions and so on. And like with something like USC, I feel like um, not only do you have to like strategize and have a plan and like know a bunch of different things and even have your own kind of like philosophy of like fighting, but also like how to respond in the moment and so on. And, 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 and usually whatever, whatever philosophy is like animating your, your, you know, you being there in the first place. And then, but also there are like, the, the stakes are so high, you know, you're training for a long time for this one fight. You're like, you know, you have to integrate your knowledge with your physical body and so on. And I just think it's like, uh, yeah, I think it's, I think it's great. I don't know. I haven't thought too much about this. I feel like I'm rambling, but I, yeah, I love the UFC. <laughs> Well, it's, I do think it's, I think there is a comparison to novelists because there is high stakes because you're putting your time into a book for, you know, year, years usually, and even to get to a published state and all that time could never, ever resolve into something that is, that comes out. Um, there, there, there's almost, uh, it's almost like a, it's like a necessity to write it, even in the chance that no one else will ever see it except for a few friends. And I feel like that's kind of a discipline where you, you can get as in shape as you want. You can fight as hard as you want, but you, you may never ever make that octagon. And, and you may have a bunch of total, total, knockouts while you're sparring. And then to get to that place is almost like getting published, you know? Yeah, that's true. I hadn't thought about it that way, but that does that is true. And there are a lot of people that like, you know, fighters that just never make it to the, the octagon or you know you 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 fight for very little money in other organizations or something like that yeah it's interesting i hadn't thought about it in that way yeah and and they do it because they have to they do it because that's uh, they you know it's just like they they found who they are in life and it's just and they have to it's just like their body needs it their body needs to be Mm. in that 
learning, just learning every, you know, just those guys blow my mind. I mean, a punch okay. comes at them yeah. and they just, they just tilt a little bit. And I'm like, how do you do that? How do you know? <laughs> I would last a split second. I'd just be like, all right. And round one. <laughs> yeah. It's great. I kind of want to watch them tonight. What's tonight? Saturday night, fight night, right? Is it Saturday? No, it's not Saturday. What day is it's, it? No, Tuesday? it's Tuesday. We, re- we record on <laughs> okay, Tuesday. What the yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I got, I got too, too, too eager there. I was like, it's Saturday. Yeah, yeah, anyway. yeah, yeah. Good fun. What, um, yeah. and you did, so where did, where were you before you moved to Connecticut? Uh, I was in College Park, Maryland. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I say my, that like I pretend. I, I said, "Oh, okay, like I know where that's at," but I know where Maryland's at. So I was like, oh, "Okay." It's like uh, thirty minutes from DC and like maybe forty-five from Baltimore. Oh wow! And so I was there for like three or or maybe four. I think I was there for four years, and before that, I was just in in Cleveland. What brought you to Maryland? Uh, Nicolette was getting her MFA there, and then I just like followed her there. And, and how did you, how did you like Maryland? What was, what was it like a, was there a kind of a culture uh, shock of sorts after growing up in uh, Cleveland? Well, not really, not really. I mean, I, I, I like, when I was there, I like, uh, I did school mostly on the, on the, the computer and I was like editing New York Tyrant magazine from the computer. And so like, like I didn't really make many friends there for the first little while. Like I was just sort of in my house or I would go to the library or I'd go to the gym. And, um, and so it wasn't like, wasn't much of a, much of a culture shock. Like, you know, um, I wasn't like, um, it was nice to be able to like go to museums and stuff, but there are museums in Cleveland too. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It wasn't, wasn't, wasn't too, wasn't too different. I don't think. Yeah. A lot of similarities. Um, uh, except there was, I'm trying to think there was stuff going on. I mean, that was weird, you know, where it was like, Oh, they're like being in Cleveland. There's not very many people passing through and there's not very much that happens in general. I feel like people just kind of hang out and talk and there's not many like, uh, yeah, I don't know. It was just, I guess a little different in that way, but yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, and then, and then, uh, and then from there you go to Connecticut and then is, is what's, what's the difference there? I mean, you're oh. right. Well, the, I, I think of New Haven. What's great about the East coast is the, the train, the train gets you everywhere. That's true. But I like driving. I actually don't, I like never, I, I know it's great that it's here, but like, even when I go into New York, I like driving. And when I get around New York, I like driving. I don't know. I don't know why. It's like, maybe it just feels like, uh, I know I can always kind of just get away or whatever in my car. Yeah. It's kind of, it feels like freedom or something like that, but I, um, yeah, but it is nice that it's here. Yeah. So you're good with like driving in Manhattan and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. That yeah. would scare me to death when I walk through like Manhattan and even Brooklyn, I'm just like, I would be the guy everyone's honking at right now. Cause I don't know the rules. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I delivered pizzas and stuff when I was younger. I don't know. I just feel comfortable driving. I like driving. Yeah. Wait, um, yeah. did you deliver for a pizza joint? Yeah, Mama Joe's. It was just like mom and pop place in, in Solon, Ohio. And then I delivered for a place called Zappies. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. And uh, recently for some extra extra cash, I've been door dashing. And so I'm just, just driving. Yeah. 
that yeah. when, when it's the, there's, there's a weird, I, I did pizza delivery for a little bit and it felt like a weird intimacy because it's just like, when you get to their door, it's just, it's just this little moment of transaction, like human transaction. And it's just, it's almost like, hi, don't look at me. I just ordered this pizza. And I'm like, hi, don't look at me. I'm a pizza delivery driver and then walk away. Yeah, that's true. I was always kind of like fumbling with the bag. Like I never really found a great way to like, you know, hold the pizza, open the bag, take the pizza out. Maybe like they had to sign something or give me some cash. And it was always like, I never kind of figured out a good system for like all of the different moving, moving objects. So I was like more or less kind of preoccupied almost each time with, with figuring out how to do it without dropping anything or, or being too awkward. And then now there's DoorDash. Yeah, so but things- well, on the phone and then most people don't even want you to like like they just want you to put it on their porch or whatever and so there's like basically no human interaction involved at all except for at the the restaurant or wherever right and even then it's very minimal it's it's blowing my mind because even when i was like you know when i because i told you i confessed earlier i go to starbucks to write right now for some odd reason that's where i the book kind of right. tells me where why I do you need- gotta go there wait 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 why why don't you um You've always done that, or like no, no, screaming guys. You could you could go to the library or whatever. Do they scream over there too? You're in LA, so maybe. Right? Oh, oh, the screaming people are just they they just tend to be around more and more. It's you know it's beautiful. It's almost like ah, oh, mm. smell of desperation in the air, just like the rest of Los Angeles, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> the, um, but for some odd reason, the book the whatever I'm working on kind of just it needs to be done there, and I don't know why. And it's not even a close Starbucks. I have to go to a Starbucks that's like further away. It's like three Starbucks away from me. But I have to go to that one for what I'm working on at this particular time. And I have no rhyme or reason for it. There's no rhyme or reason for it. But I get there and I can write scenes. And there's there's no um, there there's there's enough irritability of the people. And then there's just but not so much where it. Uh, distracts me but there's what the problem with Los Angeles is there was way too many interesting cafes and there's a lot more cafes I go to. I'll meet I'll never meet my friends at the Starbucks it's the last place I'll meet anybody I'll meet them at these great cafes but these great cafes I don't want to write I just want to look around and smile and be happy and sip and it's just like that that's it's not it doesn't put me in the first draft writing or first draft rewriting scenes because i can't Mm. i can't be in that headspace to write i can't be that happy i'm imagining you just like uh literally sitting there and just smiling and just staring around yeah no and that's what i do there's this little french place (laughs) like there's a french place like right up the street from me and it's just like and they and and um they're wonderful and you order up there and they have the antoine omelette and I'm like, hey, my name is Tony, you know, and they're like, yeah, whatever. Shut up, American. And I'm like, that's why I love you more. And then they come out and they bring the coffee and I'll meet friends there. Or I'll sit there alone and I'll bring I'll bring like I'll bring my pad to write and I'll bring a book to read and nothing gets done. I just kind of just sit there on the patio and just look out and I'm just it's, it's just beautiful and happy. <laughs> mm. Do you think you're really smiling the whole time or you're just feeling good? I, th- uh, <laughs> I don't know if I'm smiling the whole time. I think I'm just feeling good. Um, okay. Yeah. No, the smiling the whole time might be weird, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I 
don't know. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, great. <laughs> Here comes the slow guy. I think I, I think the psych ward uh, lets him out for an hour a day. <laughs> just like. Yeah, right. <laughs> you just order your stuff in an Italian accent and then just, and then just smile the whole time. <laughs> Thorazine really works for that guy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I should go up there and uh, what do you you know in a hospital robe, <laughs> mm. smile in a corner. But you know, where do you where where do you tend to get your writing done? Do you have a do you have a place? Do you have to be in a certain place for certain parts of it? Not really. I mostly just at either um, at my house or. Uh, they just opened up the library here for like non-students to be able to go. And so um, I've been going to the library a little bit. Um, but yeah, when I was working on this book, I mostly, I was at the house. I would sometimes go to the library. There was one, um, I was uh, influenced by the writer Nicholson Baker. And I watched an interview with him where he talked about smoking a certain kind of cigar uh, I think he talked about smoking it in his car while he was writing. And like, because I was sort of uh, modeling aspects of my book on his, I like did the same thing. And, uh, and that was kind of fun. Like I would go and like sit in the, in the, in my car in the woods and, and smoke a cigar and, and like right, right there. Um, but sometimes I'd go to a coffee shop, but no, I, I, I don't have like a particular, uh, a particular thing other than just, being at the house yeah yeah which, the which increasingly is my increasingly that's sort of my is where i stay yeah the library here we still have to wear masks when we're inside and the library might be a good spot for me to write but I'm, i can't go there and wear a mask and write it just doesn't feel right to have stuff on my face so um, totally. it's, it's kind of the last place that mandates masks in los angeles is the library um and I teach there once a month and we're starting to teach uh, in person again. And I'm like, am I going to have to like enforce mask mandates? Because I'm not going to split up fights between people in the class. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not going to care. And I'll just be like, both of you go outside and you can fist a cuff out there. Cause I'm not part of this. Well, I'm just here to <laughs> teach. So they, they, they fight over the mask. Is that what I mean? Well, you know how it's like, I, I guess I watch too many YouTube videos where people on planes are like, you're not wearing a mask and then they'll spit in your right, face. Right. And then all of a sudden it's a UFC match at 30,000 feet. But it's one of those yeah. ones where it's one of those ones where they slap with like from the. <laughs> not a, not yeah. A, yeah. It's a, I, I just, yeah, I don't, I think, I don't think things will get heated, but there's, you know, there's sometimes people are, well, there's so much, I, I guess there's so much fear that fear leads to anger. So they want to, so in order to not deal with their fear, they go to anger, which I understand because we all have a lot more fear these days, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't, yeah, I guess, I guess that's, that's, um, I don't know. Whenever I've seen videos like that, I always just feel like the person is like, uh, I feel like the way people started talking about masks almost immediately felt like very like, uh, like sinister and strange to me where it was like, um, I remember like overhearing people for the first time gossiping about how like so-and-so wasn't wearing a mask or, you know, and it was just like this like sinister, I, I just, I would, I just kept perceiving like a sort of like sinister, almost like scapegoat type mechanism where people were 
were instantly wanting to just like uh you know put their kind of like anger and uh and blame and so on on on, on people who, who who felt differently than them i yeah i guess i guess yeah people were probably also just afraid of the of the virus but um yeah and they would escalate it because they'd be like what do you do trying to kill me you know they would say things like right, that and right, they'd be like right. six feet away and man a, and it's just right, like trying right. to kill and me it's, and it's, it's just and in some ways they're just parroting the kind of like uh hysterical tone of the media or something like that you know where it's like everything is sort of like a a threat to to one's life and to, you know what i'm saying like people yeah. who who make this decision or that are like directly responsible for the deaths of you know whatever and so and so on and yeah um but but yeah i know that's true that's true it's sort of uh yeah if you think someone's trying to kill you by, by not wearing a mask you know, you might act kind of kind of wild or whatever, but <laughs> you might have some <laughs> other problems in your yeah, head. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> that is like, true. Yeah. 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 It's it's just like uh, you know, hey, yeah, it. You know, but I did notice like there's there's people that are kind of around. Uh, you know, you you get around certain circles and you have friends and acquaintances and you find out how, you talk to some acquaintances and they're just like they were trying to kill me and blah blah and escalating it and you're just sitting there going. Oh wow! Is that how your brain works? Yeah. Okay. Um, I don't know, man. I'm always aware of that. Yeah, I'm always aware of that now. Like, you don't have to wear them in 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 stores and stuff near me, but um, but sometimes when I see people wearing them, you know what? Actually, I was in a store not that long ago. I think it was like a printing shop. I can't remember why I was there, and it was this small place I'd never been to. And there was it was just me, and I wasn't wearing a mask, and it was this other lady wearing a mask, and there was like no one at the desk or you know i didn't see anyone working there or whatever but there was the radio on and the radio was some talk radio talking about how people with masks were like attacking people without masks and so on and i was like standing there with this lady in silence and i was like this is so crazy like it was it, it was like i it just felt like uh it was totally totally bizarre it was one of those like fully on the nose and i was like trying not to look at her and i was like all right i gotta go out of here you know um yeah so so when you so when she was there did you like did you just did you put your duke i would have put my dukes up like i was ready to go if she was <laughs> especially if she was if she was an older lady i think she would have got a kick out of that because i would have went ready to defend myself you know <laughs> yeah no i think i think i i think i actually thought about how it would make a good tweet i was like oh man if i could figure out a way to tweet this in a way that would capture it well that'd be nice but yeah i don't think i i don't think i did it yeah yeah actually no i did do it well never mind i did it but then i i, I deleted it because i felt like it wasn't uh didn't do justice to how how wigged out the the situation actually actually was yeah you'll have to write a short film <laughs> <laughs> so um so you've been you've been working on this uh i'm sorry remind me of the uh publication you edit Oh no! I used to edit a uh, uh, New York Times magazine until uh, a couple, a, a year and a half or so ago, and so I haven't been editing. I haven't been editing anywhere. Oh, okay. Recently. And when, when mm -hmm. and did you start that? Um, no. Uh, my friend Giancarlo de Trapano started uh, the magazine in like I can't remember 2012, but it was like a print journal, and he was publishing books and stuff. But I he. He uh, let me like he, he 
I tweeted that I wanted to start editing somewhere and then he like messaged me and said he was going to start like an online version of the magazine and then so he let me let me do that from I think it was in 2017 so I did that for like roughly five years oh wow yeah Mm -hmm. and and were you was it like you were accepting submissions and trying to figure out who goes in the the... we actually didn't have like uh, we didn't accept submissions. We just like solicited people, which was, oh, which was pretty good. nice. And the, the 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 couple of times we opened submissions, like I opened it for like twenty four hours, and we got just like I can't remember one hundred and seventy. You know, we got so, uh, so many submissions, and I was like, I'm never doing that again because uh, it's so overwhelming. Yeah. Um, and I just hate I hate sending uh, I hated sending rejections and stuff like that. Um, yeah and some people would and some people would like harass me and stuff like there was like a certain kind of some people would like you know if I didn't get to it in time they would like these random people would like would send me like you know 15 emails oscillating between like some would be like if you could please get to my that story that and then like you know four days later it'd be like vaguely threatening and then three days after that it would be like nice again you know and there was like so I was just like I'm never dealing with these crazy uh crazy people ever again yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And were you writing your novel like through all of that as you were editing too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. When, when, when did when did you when did you get the idea for the novel? Like, what was what was the the? Oh wait, this is a thing, and this is and and then you find out. Wait a second, this is actually a bigger thing than I thought. Um. Yeah, I think in degrees. I mean, I I, I wrote the part in the in the. I, I'm pretty sure the first part of it that I wrote was the rant about his like friend Eric. Um, and at the time I was just sort of ranting about an old friend. Like, I didn't think it was going to be any kind of literature at all. Like I was basically just in a word document, kind of like venting about an old friend. And then, um, so I had that part and I don't know, I was, I was, I was, I was working on this other novel that was like terrible and not going anywhere. Um, and I kept getting distracted by the internet and I, I started to like, sort of as like an exercise and like I, I actually wanted to figure out or what was going on when I kept getting distracted you know and so it wasn't like I'm gonna write about this but I would pay close attention and kind of like write about it and just try and like see what was happening when I would like find myself in like a you know a zombie scroll or something like that and be like how did I get here you know um, and I think and then yeah and then I read a few novels that took place over the course of 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 uh you know, just a couple hours with like a lot of digressions and so on. I, I think a part of me began to feel really like attracted to the idea of like a novel conceit that would allow me to like rant and also just go wherever I wanted with it, you know? And so, um, but I think for most of the time that I was working on it, I really thought that it was like, one, I thought it was like too ambitious. Like I was like, I'm not going to be able to pull this off because it's, you know, for the longest time, it was just like fragments and disparate, you know, uh, pieces of writing um and then slowly I started to connect them and then I gave up on it and um but I sent some excerpts to my friend Tao and he read them and was like really encouraging and um I think that I think his encouragement sort of made me think okay maybe I could actually just continue to work on this and and get it done you know um because I had really just felt like it was too ambitious and weird you know um but I did it. Yeah, that's great. I I love I love yeah. too ambitious. I love weird. I love it when it's, I love being in the. Uh, I mean, I don't love this, but I know I when those situations happen, you know you have it. You know you're doing something. Like when you're scared of it. I'm just I when I get like yeah. I'm like I can't write that. And the minute mm. I say that, I go. 
crap. I got to write that. That's it. That's cause it's just, yeah. and it's, it, and it just, um, it goes almost into problem solving mode where it's just like, Oh, great. Mm-hmm. Now I've created this huge problem that I have to uh, try to fix to make it something, you know? Definitely. And it felt, I mean, I think, I think the difficulty of it felt um, just made it feel all the more meaningful and rewarding to work on. You know, I had worked on this other I think I got like 30, 25 or 30,000 words into a different novel, like in the middle of writing this. And it just felt very like safe and kind of like um, easy or something like that. I didn't really believe in it, you know, and I think this one just kind of kept, kept my, yeah, I just started to believe in it, you know, and started to feel like, um, especially, especially once, um, once Tao encouraged me, but then also once I wrote the last line and I knew I was like, okay, this is, this is the last line and this could really, I don't know, for some reason that made me feel some kind of way and I could keep going. What, what a great way to put it that the minute you believed in it and, and that the other one, you didn't have the same belief. Mm-hmm. It, it's yeah. so like, what do you call it? A rethal? Is that the word? Or, or is that ethereal? Right, right, ethereal. Yeah. Yeah. I think the other one is about urine. Ethereal. U- urethra. Yeah. <laughs> ethereal but there, there's just a knowing there's a weird like when you've worked on something you develop a relationship with it and you're like oh man you know this the, i was i was working with i was working on this huge sports star of a novel but actually it's the it's the little guy with the you know with the with the, with the uh, eye poked out that i need to believe in and work on i guess yeah and I think, sorry, my I keep hearing like uh, in my headphones like a so I don't know if it dies. I think it'll just go to the computer and that'll be fine. But I um oh okay. Uh, um, but one of the uh, you know, the other thing too about this book is that I I didn't um other other writing projects that I had tried and abandoned. Like I I sort of had mapped out in my head like I knew how I knew how they would go or they were like you know based on my life or 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 whatever and this like I really had no idea how it would like it sort of revealed itself to me as I went and so I think that was another part of it that was simultaneously like scary and exciting is that I felt like I didn't know what would happen and I also felt like it was in some ways um not necessarily within my control if that makes sense like I it was like uh mysterious and and, and strange for so so long um and uh yeah which was which was which was, which was good it makes total sense because that's mm-hmm. i feel like i'm in the pocket when i don't know um when i'm like oh wow i don't know what happens here but i gotta do that and then just go at it with yeah, no it- conception yeah, I used to think people, I would hear people say stuff like that. And I used to think they were just kind of um, like mystifying their writing process or something, you know, like I thought that they were just either pretending or I didn't really understand until I did it. And then I was like, okay, now I, now I really get it, you know, where um, it is sort of, because I think at least for me, like I read so much and I am like kind of thinking all the time about, you know, whatever writing or about like different ideas and stuff. And I think like, um, but I also have all these defenses up um, that I think um, are difficult to kind of like break through or something. And, and, and I think the process of writing this book and other things, um, you know, where I don't have like a clear cut plan, but I'm like letting it reveal itself and kind of wrestling with it and so on. 
um, can can sort of like through that process like uh, break down some of my like um, what are essentially like defense mechanisms against my own my own uh, I don't know myself yeah your urethra I mean, yeah exactly <laughs> See what I do is I just throw out big words um, if I don't know what the what I'm supposed to say and then and they have yeah. no meaning you know so the um mm. but yeah it's I mean, who was it Henry Miller that said uh, he feels like he's just channeling I've I've heard that from uh, other writers too where they just feel like they're just kind of channeling and it's just like you know mm. it just it's just like it's almost being in the zone being in the pocket being in the pocket yeah exactly yeah as, as the kids mm. say. <laughs> well should we end it then yeah, yeah we can end it. is it time <laughs> how long do you how long do you go for well no, no this is about it this, this is about it I just, oh I, okay <laughs> we can, we can end it. <laughs> what an awkward ending uh, jordan thanks uh, for coming on the show man yeah thank you come on man
Jordan Castro on Drinks with Tony. Check out his new book, The Novelist, A Novel. Next week on the show, we have Jerry Stahl. He'll be talking about his new memoir, 999. Keep reading, keep writing, keep listening. And if you're in a French cafe alone, just keep smiling. I'll see you next week.
You're listening to 101.9 FM, KPCRLP, Santa Cruz.